Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, something is This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Yes, finally, a win, baby. Decide, decisively, too. 17 points, two-score win, 30-13 to 13 on Sunday night football. They didn't embarrass us in prime time. Garrett here, Jamie here, Craig here. Welcome to After Hours, boys. They did it. We had said, feels like for years, that they just won't blow out a bad team. They'll make it a one-score game no matter what. And today, they did not do that. They won it from the jump. They went up seven and never looked back. Yeah, they played a great game. I mean, the first half was arguably the best first half, the best single half they played probably under Staley's tenure. I mean, they were almost flawless outside of one scoring drive, and that's going to happen. So... They were really good on third down. They didn't have a penalty until like the third or fourth quarter. Um, marched up and down the field. They protected Herbert. It was the first half was great. And then they they kind of sat on the lead, which they had the ability to do with that Bears offense. And they were able to get out of there relatively unscathed. So um all really good, all encouraging. Yep. Every phase of the game played pretty well. Um and of course, I know that we were all kind of just rolling our eyes when halftime rolled around and the score was 24 to 7. No one really knew how to feel about that. But look at lo and behold, they held on to it, got into the second half. Although that was not perfect football there, they were able to kind of, you know, lean on that lead and ride it out. Um, I know it's not necessarily what we want. We want to see them bludgeon teams for four quarters, but they did what they had to do to get a win. It was necessary. And I think we should all be happy about it. When they when the Bears scored and it went to 17-7, that's when it was like, oh shit, well then here we go. You know, it was like they held them the entire game. They had a 17-point lead. Bears go and they just walk down the field methodically. Mm-hmm. And then Evans walks in for a touchdown in two-hand touch, let alone tackle football. And it's it's 24, it's uh 17. Seven, and you're going, this is where they start to lose it. And then Herbert drives right down, a perfect drive, leave him four seconds, score a touchdown, leave him four seconds, got to kneel it into the half. It was, yeah, they really ran away with it today. And I think, you know, I feel like it's, I, I understand it's the Bears, and I understand it's, Bajan had a great, you know, it was a great story, and he got his good win over the Raiders, which obviously we appreciate as Chargers fans, but it just feels like it does. This doesn't happen very often, even with a terrible quarterback. Like they could have really, really bad quarterbacks, but they still managed to make it a game. And today, they were able to 
put drives together and they basically just put their foot on the gas for the first half, a little bit into the second half, and then just kind of sat on the lead, like Jamie mentioned, but defensively able to get two interceptions, stopped them on fourth down twice, forced three, three punts today. It was, I mean, across the board, it was, it was really good. So I think I'm a little bit more excited about this win uh, in this moment. Now it might not mean anything because they can go out and lay an egg the rest of the season. But right now in, uh, this current moment, I'm really excited about this win. I know a lot of people aren't, but they they beat a bad team, and I don't know the last time I remember them doing that. They didn't just beat a bad team; they right, beat right. up yeah. on a bad team, mm-hmm. yeah. which is meant. something yeah. they never they never do. We always talk about them, you know, playing down the level of their competition and heading into this game tonight. My, you know, I was starting to wonder maybe they're not playing down, maybe they just aren't that good. Um, but you get a big win, you basically manhandle a bad football team. For four quarters, um, hard hard not to be happy about a 17-point win in the NFL. Yeah, I was prepared for basically anything, but, of course, I felt like you know logic would tell you that they should beat the uh, Bears handily, and they did. So um, something to definitely be uh, encouraged about because we are accustomed to them just playing teams, and no matter what their level of play is, seeing them play some of the top-level teams and – you know, it coming down to a player two or a team, the likes of the Bears, and it's still being a very close score. And like at no point did I feel like this mirrored anything that happened like a month ago. I wasn't worried about it whatsoever. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think my my biggest moment of hesitation was that opening 50-yard pass that – Oh, God. I mean, I don't know. I still don't know why the officials blew that dead. Um, I'm not entirely sure why that wasn't – offensive pass interference because the wide receiver clearly pushed off with both <laughs> hands to create the space to make that catch. Um, but when they completed that, I'm like, Oh, here we go. That we're going to make, you know, we're going to make uh, Tyson Bajit look like Josh Allen throwing the ball down the field for chunk plays, but they tightened up after that. They settled in. They took advantage of that mystery call of blowing the play dead and <clears throat> they were able to run away with it. Yeah, so it was really funny. I think they were just caught napping because I'm pretty sure they were in base defense because I saw Joey kind of out there defending the slot. He looked a little confused. He was looking around to see if anyone was going to come up to defend that slot receiver, and he realized, oh, crap, I'm going to have to drop back here. He did, and then it was just kind of one-on-one to the outside. They were probably expecting Bajan to come in and do exactly what he did last week. I don't know what his A dot was, but it was really, really low, so I'm sure they just kind of got caught asleep on that one. But the fact that (laughs) – It was blown dead, and there was literally no contact after he caught the ball. I was just like, all right, maybe the Chargers are going to luck out a little bit. And they did have a little bit of luck there, especially in the first half on a few plays where the game could have been much closer, but things were just kind of going in their favor. So the ball kept rolling all night, and thankful for that. Yeah, yeah, that uh, Velas Jones drop was pretty rough today. But, yep. um, yeah, I I don't know. I'm. I feel like uh, – <laughs> I just, it feels like, you know, the fact that they can go five straight drives with scoring and uh, get as many turnovers as they did today. I know focusing on some of those bad, bad things were, uh, could have turned this game around a little bit, but I mean, they made everything count today and uh, getting it to 30 13 was great. And the fact that they got Quentin Johnston involved today was a huge uh, boost, I'm sure, for him and also. Glad to see him get some uh, involved in this offense today. 
Yeah, not just Quentin Johnson either. They did a good job of getting Eckler involved early. They were scripting plays for Parham to get yak opportunities uh, early. They did the same thing with Johnston. They did a really good job of getting everybody involved early, creating a tempo and a flow and a rhythm and riding that through the end of the first half to blow that game out. I was really concerned about Everett not being available tonight, but Parham really stepped up. <clears throat> um, I mean, he was actually running very physically after the catch, which is not something I'm accustomed to. Um, he's been pretty decent at his size with making guys miss, but uh, he wasn't playing around. He was catching the ball and just, you know, trying to get downhill as, as best as he could and using his size to his advantage. So that worked out really well. Um, ultimately, I think they did a really good job with the game plan for Herbert um, with getting the ball out pretty quickly and focusing on more of the interme intermediate and short um, areas of the field. And the offensive line held up pretty well. So he was able to allow some of those routes to develop and find those open windows in the Bears zone. So just kind of all played in their favor. The running game wasn't great, but the Bears actually uh, think they played pretty decent run defense. So I wasn't super shocked about that. Uh, but I was happy with what I saw offensively and um, the defense. Um, can we say that the run defense might actually be a strength for this team now? I mean, outside of the one play where Darrington Evans got to the outside mm -hmm. and they were kind of outnumbered on the edge. But I think they're pretty solid up front against the run. And it's it's really kind of a night and day difference from what we uh, we've seen the last two years. Yeah, they gave up 73 yards total. And I think the leading rusher was Foreman for like 34. And I know the Chargers jumped out to a big lead, so you know they only had like 25 rushing attempts. It was really good today. Run defense was really good. And some really big stops on those fourth downs and uh, some third downs early on that game too. So it was uh, – the run defense was really good. Yeah, I think the defense outside of a couple of plays, the defense as a whole was really good. Mm -hmm. You know, we got, we got some encouraging signs from Joey. He gets to the quarterback early to end that first drive. He had a couple of run stops. He flashed a few times. He's starting to look somewhat healthy again. Um, and I think the rotations, being able to get Rump on the field and see him make plays in the run game, um, Thule, Mack, they seem like they might be legitimately four deep and in a position to have a pretty healthy rotation to keep guys fresh, which is really encouraging. Um, some good run stops for Murray at times in the game. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. was baiting throws. And, I mean, they, they were really close to having four or five picks in that game. <laughs> I mean, they – they were all over. They were squeezing routes, just daring Bajan to throw the ball outside and jumping, you know, jumping those routes. Um, defense was great. It was one of the better game plans we've seen, and they executed it really well from start to finish outside of maybe two or three plays. You know what I really liked on that sack um, that Joey had early on? I believe they were in like a NASCAR package. I'm pretty sure I saw – all four guys out there. I think I saw Fox Thule that were lined up on the left side and then Joey um, next to Bosa. And, you know, if you can find a rhythm where you can get guys into obvious or teams in the obvious third down or passing situations and you can roll that out, you're probably going to be more successful than that. Um, well, again, it's whether or not you have the proper coverage behind it to stop uh, anything from beating you short and then being extended with run after catch. But let's just take it for what it's worth. It was cool to see it be effective and then be able to get home with four. Um, I'm sure we'll talk more about some things they can still improve upon, but a lot of these things work tonight and I hope to see it just kind of be built upon moving forward. 
Yeah, I think the pass rush will continue to grow as they keep as they get those guys, you know, in clearly defined roles and they're rotating them. There there are some concerns still, you know, Craig, you alluded to it. Only one sack against what was really a pretty bad offensive line. And not just the sacks, they weren't really generating a whole lot of pressure for, for the most part. So still some room some room to improve. It seemed like, you know, the last few weeks they've been leaning on that um the stunt game up front the games and twists and it seemed like today they were relying more on one-on-one matchups just beating guys and they they weren't really getting that done so i'd have to go back and watch to see if that was what the case but that's just what it felt like during the course of the game it just didn't seem like they were running as many games or stunts up front and they were just relying on guys to win up front on uh, versus one-on-one matchups and they weren't really getting it done consistently yeah, outside of that, I think they were also just trying to overload sides as well. They were putting Derwin down in the box and sending him on blitzes a few times. Other times they would bluff blitz him before snap, and at the snap of the ball, he dropped back in the coverage. So um, they were mixing it up on Bajent. You can kind of see where, like, his youth was showing up. It was confusing him. He was holding the ball a little bit longer than what he wanted to. It was coming out late, and so the Chargers were kind of able to jump uh, a few passes. But uh yeah, against teams like this, you definitely have to win your one-on-ones, and that was not happening consistently enough. Let's uh, let's talk about that first drive because there was so much fun things that happened during that. Uh, the, obviously, the start with the fumble snap wasn't fun, but hitting Keenan Allen uh, in three straight plays, we saw that kind of Hulk package where they put uh, McFadden as the fullback, which was a lot of fun. Uh, that flea flicker to a screen to Donald Parham was a nice little wrinkle. And then we got a little 39-yard screen to Austin Eckler for a touchdown. He, It feels like they have a really, really good opening game script in these games, and then it kind of starts to fall off. But today, they set a pretty nice tone early on. Walked that, field, walked that ball down, gave some exotic looks, was creative, walked it down for a touchdown. It was the, those, that first drive was awesome. The first drive was really good. I mean, the screen to Eckler was really well designed. I don't, it worked. I don't love a, a, a flea flicker screen to the tight end. <laughs> Not really what I would like to see them use a flea flicker for, uh, personally. I, it but felt it like the whole defense got sucked back, though, on that flea flicker. It felt like everybody was stepping back and gave yeah. Brian a little cushion. But yeah, it worked. I just, you know, you'd like to see. You'd like to see the defense respect the run a little bit more yeah. and be able to throw the ball over the top on a flea flicker. Uh, to have to throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage on a flea flicker isn't really ideal, uh, but it worked. Uh, but lots of really creative plays. I mean, we saw them start to get the ball, like we mentioned earlier, to QJ uh, behind the line of scrimmage or on short passes, giving him an opportunity to turn up the field and run. Uh, we saw some back shoulder fades to, to QJ. Um, a lot of really well designed passes to Keenan or to um, Eckler, I should say, um, coming out of the backfield. So they were doing a really good job of kind of hitting all three levels of the defense. They kind of pull the defense in with short passes, find an intermediate one, pull them back in with short passes, go deep. That that corner route that Herbert threw to Keenan um, between the cover two, the, between the corner and the safety on cover two was one of his best throws of the season. I mean, he just put it right on him. They just did a really good job of scripting the passing game and – getting the ball out of Herbert's hand quickly. It didn't seem like it was as many seven-step drops, hold the ball, wait for somebody to get open deep. It was just they were just getting the ball out of his hand fast. They weren't relying on the on the pass protection as much as they were kind of that, that rhythm and the timing of the passing game. 
Is it just me or does it feel like Kellen Moore is just super giddy to get his best plays out of his bag like on the first drives? <laughs> it's like he can't wait to unload them. And I think that's part of the problem when you get into the latter half of the um, – well, into the second quarter and into the second half of the game. The plays seem to be much, much more boring, uh, a bit more static or repetitive. Uh, and some of the better plays seem like he could just hold on to them for a bit longer and really like utilize them in the latter portions of the game to maybe create some bigger plays then <laughs> and help to break some of these games open because they get bogged down in the second half and you know you're starting to see more field goals come into play or um you know them having to punt the ball because they're not getting all, they're not pushing the ball downfield into scoring range. But I mean outside of that, overall just the involvement of QJ was very encouraging. Um you kind of sort of felt like they got to a point where they didn't really have a choice. Um, you know, when Palmer went down, I was really concerned about that. But then I thought about him like, OK, well, yeah, who else can they throw the ball to? And then came Simi Fajoko. And I'm like, oh, OK, that makes perfect <laughs> sense. Anyone other than QJ. Of course, he would get his first touchdown before Quentin does. But uh, again, I liked what I saw from them with how they got him the ball. Jamie mentioned it some plays behind the line of scrimmage. I know some people aren't a fan of those back shoulder throws, but I think that better suits him than those 50-50 contested balls because DBs are at a disadvantage there. He is an athlete, so he can utilize his athleticism to kind of you know contort his body and get in position to make those catches. It's not the same as tossing a ball up to him um, on, a, on a fade route where there's literally no separation at all, and you know the DB can either play QJ's eyes or get his head around. Um, he's in a much more advantageous position on those back shoulder throws, you saw him get some, you know, shallow crosses, which we've been begging for. And you saw him create after he caught the ball. And I hope, I pray that that was something that they saw in a live game and now utilize it moving forward because he proved that he can do it. He was the best wide receiver in college football at it. And now you got to see it on display a bit tonight. So it should be something that they use moving forward. We can only hope and pray, though. How giddy was uh, Collinsworth every time they threw it to QJ? Like any in his direction, we got that little little laugh, little giggle. Like, oh, here we go now. Like he he was more excited about that than anything else that happened throughout this entire game. He was. He's definitely a QJ homer. Yeah, yeah. But that catch and run was nice. We saw a little uh, TCU QJ in that. Um. Uh. Yeah, I. Lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> so I, I Good content, Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> you know what a win does to you? I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I lose it. Yeah. And then I also have two co-hosts here that aren't going to come in and help me. So I got to just like figure it out on my own. Um, <laughs> um, what, how did you guys feel about, um, or, somebody was uh, asked it a little bit earlier, but um, what do you guys feel? First of all, I don't know how Palmer came back at all why he came back or how he came back at all. Um, but also what do you guys feel about with Palmer being injured? We'll see what his availability is during the week, but Guyton might be coming back soon. How do you guys think that that's going to roll into the offense with Palmer maybe being heard and, and Guyton coming back and being a hundred percent. Does that hurt QJ? I think any healthy wide receiver hurts QJ at this point the way they're using him or not using him. Uh, I mean, I. it's going to be interesting because Palmer's been doing a really good job as a route runner, getting himself open in that intermediate range, and that's not really something that Guyton's going to do for you. So if, if Palmer can't play, then they need somebody to do that. 
And I mean, maybe they use Vehoko in that role, but you you'd think they'd want to try to give QJ a shot at that. Um, I mean, potentially Guyton coming back could hurt him, but Guyton's also not a volume guy. Uh, maybe he can go back to the role of being more of the decoy as opposed to having QJ be that guy and you send him vertically down the field more often. Um, but yeah, any combination of healthy bodies in front of Johnston could be a detriment or arrest his development. Uh, I'm really curious as to why, or I mean, to see what's going to happen moving forward if they start to open things up more vertically because it feels like for some reason they aren't confident in letting Darius Davis play that role whatsoever. He's more of a horizontal guy, and I can't figure out for the life of me why they won't deploy him down the field almost at all. I'm not – if I'm wrong here, please correct me. Have they thrown a go ball to Darius Davis at all this year? I don't think so. No, okay, so it's just it just feels like okay i get that he's a gadget guy he's a, he's a smaller cat but you can utilize him in the same ways that some of these other teams do with their smaller wide receivers you can motion him across the field as the chargers do and you can send him vertically that way to allow him to get off with free releases but they won't uh, i assume that guyton coming back that's kind of going to be his role and hopefully that does open things up for uh qj a bit but then again guyton is somebody that herbert liked a lot so that could technically take mm-hmm. away target from QJ as well. So I don't know. It, it's all about comfortability with Herbert. It feels like he's starting to get there with Quentin. But if you insert one of the guys that he really liked back into the fold, then who knows? Yeah, I felt I know Palmer came back into the game, but it felt like he just was not 100 uh, percent, especially late in that game. But uh, it feels like if Palmer doesn't go, there's probably going to be a pretty good split between QJ and uh, Guyton. And I feel like Herbert did lean on Guyton a lot early on. And I feel like that chemistry is going to start to outweigh the rookies chemistry. I don't know that it hurts him per se, but now you're talking about uh, uh, rotation of Keenan, obviously being wide receiver one, but then when Palmer's healthy, Quentin Johnson and Guyton, it feels like somebody's got to be the odd man out. And I just, it feels like Guyton. I just have a suspicion that Guyton is going to start creeping into QJ's time a little bit with Palmer being more the wide receiver too. It seems like it would be more likely just from a numbers perspective that it would, it would cut into Davis's reps just because. Oh, definitely Davis's. Yeah. Just because David Davis isn't on the field that much anyway. So it seems like he'd be the first one to start losing snaps you would think they'd want to continue to expand QJ's role after the game he had today. I mean, he didn't put up huge numbers, but a couple nice back shoulder fades, a couple nice catch and runs. They need that right now. So with Mike out, they've got to be able to manufacture those kinds of plays. Um, and QJ is really the only option for that. Do you guys, so uh, a lot of people in the chat and I it's, it's gone now, but we'll, uh, I'll ask it for the chat. Um, a lot of people were disappointed in the second half play calling do you guys feel it was more them just kind of sitting on a lead and just kind of challenging Bajit, or was the offense just not getting it done not being good enough or were they kind of just playing it safe what do you think happened i think we've seen enough so far this year to say like i can't give them a pass for them just leaning on the lead because the second half offense has been anemic for a few games um like I said before, it's weird to me. It feels like more just sort of kind of blows his load 
in the first half. And, you know, I get it. You got some players you can't wait to get off and you think they'll be successful. But you can't just have those plays scripted and have them be successful and not build off of it. Uh, we saw earlier in the season where he utilized those uh, quick smoke routes, those screens and quick throws into the flat to Keenan. And later on, that developed in the game into a double pass. Like, I don't feel like we've seen that sort of development offensively since earlier in the year in the first two games. I'm not really oh really when was that was that in the vikings game i don't remember it was in the vikings game you're talking about that that the double, double yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so it doesn't really feel like there's a full game plan for the entire four quarters i get game flow and sometimes plays don't turn out the way that you want you can't utilize certain plays because say for instance you fall behind the sticks on down and distance and so you have to scrap some of the things that you would like to do later on but that kind of falls back into your ability to be balanced, which they still have a bit of a problem with. Uh, the running game was not really a factor here. And I think that does affect your game planning or game calling game flow into the second half. So you have to find a way to be more effective in the run game and at least make teams respect it so that they can keep the playbook open. Because once you get to be one dimensional, um, Kellen Moore isn't super creative in the play calling and his formations. So when you have someone who does a lot of base uh, play calling and uh, you don't have a lot of different route combinations and concepts, then you have to have another portion of the game that you can lean on to open those things up. So the running game still has to find its way. I'm not sure how much that's going to happen with Lindsley being out. Um, hopefully he can come back. But if not, they're going to have to figure out something to at least make the, you know, the running game respectable so that they can be a little bit better in the passing game and uh, be more balanced in the second half. I kind of look at the second half as almost two, two different halves of one half. Like in the third quarter, it felt like they were trying to move the ball and put the game away. I know it's confusing. <laughs> they are, I'm just saying like I'm, the third quarter and fourth quarter felt like different different stories for me oh, uh-huh. is what gotcha. I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like third quarter, they're up 24 to seven going into halftime. They're feeling good. They get a couple field goals. They controlled the ball for most of the third quarter, but only put up six points. And at that point they're up 23 points. There's really not a reason to move the ball and they're running the ball on first and second down on every possession. So I, I kind of feel like once they got up 23, it was like, this game's over. They're not coming back. Let's just run the ball and see if we can work some things out on the ground. If not, we'll punt and trust the defense. So is that what we want? No. You know, I would have loved to see 40 plus in that game personally, just because I feel like they needed it in a lot of ways. But um, I think that was the mentality. I think it once they were up 23, it was like, let's just run this clock out and get the hell out of here and, and start planning for the Jets because this game is over. They're not coming back. We don't need to put up 40. We don't need to march the ball up and down the field. Let's just let the defense come on and stop them, and let's just put this thing away. So I just – there wasn't a whole lot of urgency offensively um, in the fourth quarter because they didn't need it. Yeah, yeah, I can get with that because it felt like – so they came out of halftime, and they went 40 yards. They kick a field goal. They force a punt. And then, you know, they get nothing going on that on that other drive. But then they stop them on fourth down. And as they get to short field, able to kick a field goal. And at that point, you're still putting points up on the board. And you could tell that the Bears just aren't moving the ball. So it felt like it was just kind of like 
slowly, methodically taking the clock out of the game now. And it did kind of feel like it was really conservative. And I know a 40 plus would have been great, but this still feels pretty good putting up, you know, 30, 13, um, even against a bad bears team, which I know the, uh, the chat keeps bringing up that it's just the bears. But I, I mean, I just, I don't remember them blowing out a team like this. I, I keep thinking about like last year, they played the Falcons after the bye and had to like win on a field goal at the end. And they're, they were like a, what the eighth worst team in the league last year. What what did Bijan go seventh, eighth? I mean, they were terrible or nine. Anyway, they were awful and they only beat them by three points. So with Mariota at the time. So anyway, what I'm saying is bad teams can be bad, but the chargers never make them look bad. And the chargers beat up on a bad team today. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. Yeah. I think that I was just going to say, I think the only team, the only game they've won by two or more scores in like the last three years was the Texans last year. I, I don't, or, you know what? Didn't they beat up on Indy towards the end of last year too? Actually, they beat up on Indy and they beat up on the Titans, didn't they? Okay, now towards I'm the end gonna, of last year. You right, know what? They hammered the Rams last year too. Okay, mm. well, that, <laughs> now that we're oh, thinking about it, yeah. Okay, all right. So let's pull up last year's record here. Uh, they beat the okay with the Texans. It was thirty-four twenty-four. So that's close. The, and that game was way out of reach, if I recall. I think the Texans scored late in that game. They, the Chargers were up by three scores for most of that game. Yeah, I was right about the Colts. They won 20-3 to three in Indy that day. What was the other yeah. one we thought? Um, the other one was uh, the Titans. Titans. They embarrassed the Titans, if I recall correctly, last year. Nope, they won by a field goal. Oh, really? Yeah. It seemed like they were up way more than that. It was the Rams game, wasn't it? They blew out the Rams. Yeah. The Rams. Let's see. They ran for like almost 200 yards in that game. Eckler had like a 31 to, touchdown. 31 to 10, much yeah. like uh, this game. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was just going to say, I'm probably just being a little greedy at this point because we know <laughs> uh, this team is not known for having killer instinct. And I, I understand that they had the game well in hand. I just want to see them dominate and put their foot on another team's throat and, like, literally choke them out. And it just felt like, okay, yeah, they had the win. Um, there's no need to kind of lay it on any thicker than what it is. I get all that. I just want to see them thoroughly dominate a team for four entire quarters and put up as many points as they can. But, again, I was just being greedy because uh, it was going to be one thing to just beat um, Chicago and they didn't they dominated them for the game yeah just you know ultimately I just want to see them go out there with some level of killer instinct and finish games off not just really coast in the second half because this team doesn't have that switch so you had the benefit of doing it this week because you were playing the Bears when you're playing those really good teams which is what we still need to see them do and perform in then you know are you going to be able to turn that on when you have to so you might as well get as much practice as you can right now but again, that could just be me being greedy. <laughs> now they did as oh, that's not what I meant. Uh, plus one, Chargers jumped up in the conference, second place, AFC West. Not bad because the Broncos beat the Chiefs today in Denver. Somehow they found a way, and the Chargers move up, which is so good. I think the only real complaint that I have with the offense was after they forced that that fourth down. 
they stopped them on fourth down and got a short field at like their own, the Bears 30 or 40 yard line. I'd have loved to see play action, a shot play, get the ball deep and just salt it away with one play. Um, we didn't get that. That would have been nice. That's like that. I think that's what really separates the Chargers from some of these other really good teams that they get that short field and they're going for a shot play. They're going for the jugular. I mean, they had the juggler already, but <laughs> get, getting a touchdown there, just you can bring every all the bench players in and really take off the rest of the game at that point. Yeah, we're we're being greedy, but totally, this was not this was not a perfect win, but this was uh, uh, definitely a, the type of beatdown that they needed at this point. I, you know, it would have been nice to put a forty, but at this point, man, to get to beat them at home, get this win handily. Defense causing turnovers, multiple turnover, couple interceptions, couple fourth down stops, bunch of punts, just bury this team. This this could help going into a pretty weak stretch here of their uh, schedule. So, you know, it's possible they can turn this uh, two and four start around. They're three and four now because um, they got the Jets next week, who just looked terrible, 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 terrible today against the Giants. But we'll see. You know what cracked me up was towards the end of the game, they're bringing in their their you know defensive backups, letting the backups play, and in the Discord, everybody's going, "Why are the backups on the field? Why are the ba- why are they bringing in the backups? What's going on?" And I'm like, "Dude, they're up 23 points with four minutes to go. What do you mean? Why are the backups on the field? We're so unaccustomed to playing so, with yeah. big leads mm-hmm. that we don't know how to handle them. We have to find something." To stress over. Yeah. <laughs> then um, on a last, um, well, I guess the last play of the game for him, it looked like ASJ got dinged up a little bit. So he was being evaluated for concussion. Oh, great! So there you go. That's why you want the backups. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it was too late with the backups. Mm. You've got Eckler and Slater and Keenan and like all the offensive starters on the field with six or seven minutes to go in a 23 point game, like just not necessary. Those guys should have been in a lot sooner. Not that we ever want to see Easton stick on the field in a regular season game, <laughs> but if we ever do, that's a situation we want to see it, especially after the shot Herbert talk, took to the ribs. Oh my God. In the game. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys surprised that wasn't roughing the passer? That's, no. like, that's a clean football play, but it feels like this year they've been really ticky tack with that stuff. I mean, he played through him and he drove him into the ground. Yeah, we've seen that call before. Yeah, I thought I thought they were going to call it immediately just because of how bad it looked. You know, I think had it been a defensive lineman, they probably would have flagged it. It just looks different when it's coming from a linebacker or a guy in the secondary. But when those defensive linemen, like I've seen that play happen multiple times, where the linemen don't even land with their full body weight on the quarterback and they still get flagged for it. So it's just a it's a it's an aesthetic thing, apparently. I guess with yeah. the reps, the the, rep, the the call isn't made like universally. It's not a linear thing. They just call it based on the way it appears. Yeah, aesthetically. So if you're wearing a red jersey with a number fifteen, you're getting that call. But if you're Herbert, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> <Nailed it. laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, um, send in your questions. Uh, we can start uh, rattling those off uh, pretty soon here too, and um, yeah. Yeah, we can get to it. Um, they said that. Did you guys see? Did did Mahomes hurt his hand today? Oh, this I, I didn't know, see. I know he had the sniffles. That's that's pretty much all I was aware of. I didn't know he hurt Aww. himself. 
I just know Taylor Swift wasn't there today. That's all yeah. I kept hearing. So that means Travis Kelsey had a you know a poor game because he had a bad game. Tay Tay wasn't there. Yeah. Yep. He was. All right. Do you guys think Deion Henley will get coverage snaps over Kendricks? Kendricks got picked on a little bit on their uh, scoring drive. They targeted him on third downs. It was successful both times they targeted him. Do you think Henley starts to take over uh, some of Kendrick's snaps? Should he? Yes. <laughs> Will he? No. no. <laughs> I mean, Kendrick's looks like he's shot. He, he's not really able to run with anybody. He can't cover anybody. He's an easy target on third down. And they had him covering more on some of these plays. Oh yeah. That was on the third down. I couldn't believe that across the field, no less running, running, trying to run with DJ Moore on a drag across the field. I don't get it. He did make a nice diving leg play over. It was a beautiful throw, but yeah, it shouldn't be happening. No, it should not be happening. I will say that Henley looked really good. He was all over the field. That guy covers some serious yeah. ground. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I would love to see more of him. I don't think we will, but I would love to. On third down and obvious passing downs, especially uh, Kendricks made that tip pass. I think I think some of that had to do with pressure in Bajan's face and he got the ball out of there and Kendrick made a really good play. I mean, um, when you look back at it and I'll have to see how this worked out later, it looks like if he didn't get his hands on it, it was probably going to be picked off. But, um, you know, he made Stan, a good play on the ball and ASJ was breaking on it. Yeah. So, you know, the play that he did make. Stop a turnover from happening, essentially. So, I mean, whatever. We're not going to cry with spill milk. But um, I think Henley absolutely should be on the field on third downs. You can't have um, Kendricks out there. He's a liability right now. He looks older and slower. Um, you know, he's giving good effort in the run game. But if we're talking about, you know, some of those sub packages, third down, third and longs, he should not be on the field because teams are taking advantage of it. They're literally keying on him. You saw it last week. Um, where he was running with Kelsey. That didn't work out all that well. And you can see it tonight. So he's not able to defend. I mean, hell no, he's not guarding any wide receivers, but he's even having difficulty keeping up with tight ends. So uh, you got a young potential stud out there who's really uh, is a really good tackler, but also great in coverage. So it's time to start utilizing him. He's been back for a while, and I think he's proven himself when he's gotten on the field. So time to give him some uh, some more some more reps. Yeah, yeah, I think you could slowly start rolling Henley out there, especially on third downs. I think Kendricks does a nice job in like cleanup duty in the run game, uh, and that's kind of what his calling card is right now, like the effort Craig is talking about. But yeah, I think in coverage, you got to start working him off the field because he does look really, really slow. And that was the problem last year in Minnesota was that he just looked a step slower. And uh, you know, hope he was going to be reborn in his new city and uh, in his college city and under Staley, but I don't know. It seems like he's just, he's older. And um, I just don't know that you can keep him on the field uh, for very long, especially on passing downs. Cause yeah. he didn't look good today. I, I mean, I agree with Craig. I thought they were going to use him in third down situations, third down, obvious passing situations, I should say um, for a good chunk of the season. It just made sense with his range and his athleticism, his ability to cover. And Henley is such a good blitzer. He's so athletic. It just makes sense to have him on the field in those situations. So you'd like to see more of that moving towards the second half of the season. Yeah, which is and, what we talked about during those draft podcasts. Is this is the kind of time where you start to roll him out? 
and he covers for Murray's deficiencies in the passing game. So, you know, right now you currently, when you have both Murray and Kendricks on the field um, in obvious passing situations, you're asking to get just destroyed in the middle of the field or out to the numbers, depending on if you're working guys from the slots or tight ends like that. Uh, so if you have one guy who you can maybe kind of cover if, or if you want to send him on blitzing, uh, if you want to send him downhill to blitz and just, you know, have Henley out there in coverage, I'm fine with that behind it. But having both Murray and Kendricks on the field in coverage is asking for it because as well as Murray has been playing, I don't want to take anything away from him because he's been really, really good against the run, especially mm -hmm. we're talking about in coverage. He's not as bad as he was before. But the thing that he's doing now is he's seeing plays. He's just late to react to them. And he will allow guys to catch the ball and then attempt to make tackles as opposed to trying to break on the ball or hitting them and jarring it loose. He'll just let them catch it and then try to make a tackle. So, I mean, before he was just completely out of position. Now he's just late getting there. So I guess that's an improvement. It's definitely an improvement. <laughs> All right, Troy Myers, do you feel like Quentin Johnson earned some trust from Herbert today? We know how trust is important to Herbert. Do you think that's changed? I think it's changing. I don't know that it's all the way there, but um, you know, throwing it, having him make a couple back shoulder catches, I think is huge, you know, for the physical catches, building that confidence in him there. And then just knowing that he's, I mean, he's really the only guy who's likely to break a tackle and make something happen with the ball in his hands after the catch. So, I mean, they keep trying to set that up for Keenan. And, I mean, Keenan needs he needs to reverse fields three yards, and he needs three or four extra steps to get going back upfield after a catch these days. So he's not the right fit in those, those, those yard-after-catch type scenarios. So um, I do think it's getting there, but it's, I think it's still going to take some time. Yeah, I, I mentioned that he's got to take like a full U-turn now to yep. get like going upfield. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think we're like there yet. I know, you know, having five catches today, 50 yards is great. But that very first throw to QJ, he could not get out of his break fast enough and work back to the ball. And he got that ball tipped and it was not a good look for QJ. So he is not like super consistent right now. And that's not going to build you a lot of trust with the quarterback. But there was a hell of a lot more good than bad today from QJ. So I think I think it's working that way, but I, I don't think that uh, the trust is fully there yet. I feel like we're bagging on Keenan, but the truth of the matter is, it's like he's like a wind-up toy after the catch, man. It's <laughs> he is bad. <laughs> I love him, but it's terrible. Um, so if he doesn't catch the ball, like moving forward, just the just getting going back in the proper direction is just it's not looking all that great. But as far as QJ is concerned. I also think the uh, trust is being built there. The most important thing is he's actually catching the ball. And honestly, I think that might have something to do with the fact that, or the fact previously as to why um, Herbert wasn't throwing him the rock. Um, So you know, going to a game without any drops, yes, he could still stand and be more physical. He's going to have to develop that because that's not been his game. If you listen to him, he's actually come out and say it, said it. He was a smaller guy who looked up to some of the smaller wide receivers and he modeled his game after it. He just hit a growth spurt and he just so happened to get tall, but his game was never that of a bigger wide receiver. So he's going to have to start growing more into that and becoming more physical. But for right now, him just getting his hands on the ball and securing it and then making something out of that after he um, the, securing the catch, I think is helping his cause. But if you ask me, 
I think some of the hesitation was the fact that Herbert just wasn't sure whether or not he was going to hold on to it if he threw it to him. So um, I think he's only helping his cause. And, you know, we don't know what's going on with Palmer. Uh, the dude couldn't put any weight on the knee hopping off of the field, but somehow managed to come back. I don't know what that's about. That's some like Wolverine healing factor crap. I'm, I'm <laughs> they said he was screaming. They could hear him screaming in the blue tent. Uh, uh well, whatever that is, maybe the adamantium was just like enveloping around his knee, and then somehow I don't know. I that's just weird to me. But he was we don't Wolverine. Know what's I don't know what's going to happen with him going forward. But tonight shows that you can put the ball in QJ's hands and he can make something happen with it after the catch, which is something we all knew going into the draft process. So now I think that relationship between he and Herbert should be growing, and they should continue to find ways to manufacture touches for him. It only makes sense. All right, Diego Arroyo. So, since Coach survives another week, do you see any trades to stay alive? No. I I, I just don't think they're going to add to the payroll. I think they're trying to save that ten or eleven million dollars for a cap rollover for next year. Um, and I think they're they're going to do what they always do. They're waiting for guys to get healthy. If if anything happens, it's going to be because somebody got cut. And they're they're adding somebody who fell in their lap, but they're not gonna go out and make a trade. It's just not the charge away. It's not what's been, and it's same as tale as old as time, man. Uh they always have someone that they're just pining away for, hoping that they're gonna come back and contribute. And you can kind of look up and down the roster and see where they could potentially use some help. But if you're just talking about the wide receiver position. Guyton's probably going to be available next week. So Tito, you won't. Yeah. Obonia comes back. And then, I mean, you could probably look at the secondary. Uh, if one of the cornerbacks went down, they'd be in a really, really bad way. But it just doesn't feel like they're going to go after anyone of any real substance. And it's just like Jamie said, they'll probably just hang around and wait to see who gets cut. And it'll probably be another vet ad that um, they can get on the cheap and expect to come in and produce at a high level. Yeah, I I probably would have said they're more likely to be sellers than they were buyers right now just because of the payroll going into next year. They can get some of that off the books early, but I, I think they're going to just stand pat. I don't think they're going to do anything. I, I really do think like they they believe that they've got it. They've got enough here in what they currently have in-house to make a run right now. So I don't, I don't see any trades happening. If they lost, I could – potentially see them oh, for sure. trying to offload something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This would have been the time. Uh, Johnny B, did you guys see the uh, the backup guard at fullback? Yeah, that was uh, Jordan McFadden in the Hulk package. That was fun. He did that a lot in Dallas. That type of – they called it a Hulk package, sometimes a sumo package. That was fun. Uh, wonder how you be at center. I would think <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see uh, is this the week they finally cut 88 they're not gonna cut him <laughs> they're too uh, invested in the draft pick i mean you know when the head coach is basically giving him points for trying real hard in the press conferences they're frustrated but they're not gonna cut him all right Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, that's a third round pick, man. Yeah. They're, they're not keen on letting guys like that go. They will ride those projects out to the very end. Yeah, it's not it's not happening this year. But man, is he just 
awful. I I I say put McFadden in for any snap you're going to give McKitty at this point. Um, he's asked this multiple times. Uh, it might be a girl. I don't know. Um, Ali Gaxa plays. Can we talk about Staley playing off a ton versus a dude with a two point five A dot? It's who he is. Yeah, it's his system. It's what he believes in. So that's what you're going to see. I mean, they did have Davis pressing more. Um, not nearly as much as much as they should, but more. not nearly as much, but still more than what we've seen in recent weeks. And like I said earlier, they were trying to bait Bajent to throw the ball outside the numbers um, down the field. So, and they they almost came up with a couple of picks doing that. So that to that end, it was working. But yeah, you, you shouldn't be giving that much room for sure. So they were playing like some of these combo techniques where um, they would mix and match here. But I noticed Davis was playing a lot of um, press to the boundary and they would have ASJ playing off to the field, which I'm fine with, except for in those scenarios like the play before the other well, one of the picks that ASJ um, dropped where he jumped the route um, on fourth and two. Well, before that, he was playing off on fourth and two by about like eight to 10 yards. <laughs> I'm just looking at the TV, like they're going to attack <laughs> that. That's, that's where the ball is going. So I think when they came back and I can't remember what happened on the play for them to, it was still fourth and two. So I don't remember if there was a timeout called or something. I think it was day. the end of the third quarter. It was that time okay. where they, so it looked like, um, Zion played up just a little bit more. He was still playing off, but again, it was a baiting situation because they knew that he was probably going to, they were forcing Bajan to drive the ball out to the numbers. So Zion just sat on it and we saw him eye it down, like being what he is like elite in short areas. He jumped it now. Great. That worked out, but I would not try that against an actual good team because you've got a quarterback with really any real arm whatsoever. And you can't just, uh, even if you want to crowd the middle of the field, like they did tonight, if you have someone who can sling that ball out there or, or just maybe even on a screenplay or something like that, and a wide receiver who can you know make it happen after the catch, you're going to be in big trouble. So I would not advise eight to 10 yard cushions on fourth down and two, but that is a Brandon Staley staple. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about it for weeks now. It's just, it sucks. It really does. Um, before we get out of here, uh, big shout out to Cameron Dicker today. Love him. Hit man, just rock solid. Fifty three yarder today. Uh, made all his kicks. He's he's been solid. We don't really do uh, special teams talk here. Well, at least kicker talk. But uh, I, Cameron Dicker deserves some props today. He definitely does. He's been great all season. Oh yeah, for, for his entire Chargers career. What is he like? I think he's only missed collectively what like two to three kicks maybe two something like that it's ridiculous i didn't realize how accurate he's been in a short time here but um i think overall they, they might have actually mentioned it on the broadcast that he's only missed i think at most three kicks and i may be saying too many might only be two i i'm i'm gonna look that up so okay go ahead but yeah just I mean, the consistency is amazing um you know from a guy who uh, had a name for himself in college came in and just kind of bounced around a little bit um i think the charges have found someone that they can look to long term 
and uh, the kicker problem is solved now. And you kind of look around the league at some of the other kickers the Chargers had that found success because they gave them the opportunity to kind of work through some struggles. Uh, they found a younger guy that they may be able to keep around long term. So it's one less thing that they have to be concerned with. Yeah, because so, Lord, Lord knows they have enough to be concerned with in the draft next year. <laughs> <laughs> so he missed one kick last year, and he's missed one kick this year. 30, oh, well, looks like Papa Starch got it. Something around 31 to 33. Yeah. I, Sorry for the disrespect, man. I think, it, I think it's 20. I don't think that's right, with the Chargers at least. I'm counting... 29 or 31, but regardless. Only one kick this year, only one kick last year. That's amazing. So it's Especially awesome. Especially with all the bad kickers we've been through. To have and, to be that steady and have the leg too. Yes. Be making 50 plus yard kicks. Because that was the question. Is accuracy beyond 50 yards? And he's kind of putting that to sleep. All right. Cool. All right, guys. I think we're good here, right? Anything else you want to before we get out of here? Oh, I got it. We're not doing a mailbag this week because it's on Tuesday and Tuesday's Halloween. So go have fun on Halloween. Enjoy your parties. Enjoy taking your kids uh, trick-or-treating. Um, enjoy everything else and enjoy us at lightning underscore round for Jamie. Top flight for Craig. You see it all there. Garrett Sisti, make sure you're, uh, you're over on Discord and everything else. Subscribe on YouTube. You guys know what to do. Yes, dude, by the way, if you haven't bought candy yet, it is messed up right now, dude. I had to go out and try to find candy today, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I had to go to three different stores, and I couldn't find candy. So go get your scramble candy. every year. I don't know why we do this, but. God, dude. I <laughs> Did you guys get it already? No. Oh, Craig, you're. No, I don't think we have ours either. Thing, man. Oh, you guys are screwed uh, good luck you're gonna be giving out penny you guys are gonna be giving out apples and pennies and batteries you guys are gonna be the terrible houses giving out candy well we could just not be home because we're taking our kids trick-or-treating and avoid it oh sure. you're the you're the house that turns out the light oh i mean damn. if we're not here we're not oh. here uh, so you got to keep one parent at home and then one parent takes the kid out hell no you gotta have candy you gotta have candy at the house, man. Yeah, I mean, we did the thing where we leave the bucket outside, but kids take advantage of that. So that's um, rookie mistake, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> Never leave the bucket out. First kid that comes is gonna take it all. All right, cool. Okay, guys. Well, appreciate you guys. Uh, no uh, mailbag, but everything else is still good to go. Right. Right. Yep. Right. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Just making sure. Uh, <laughs> I I didn't know if you guys had plans. All right, guys. Appreciate you guys, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Salute. Salute.